Hello and welcome to Koality Time, the Kale Koala Entertainment Podcast. I'm Skylar Sokol. And I'm Anthony Nicolosi. And, you know, this week we're going to go back to a good old classic controversial video game business topic. Yeah. Um, I'm realizing that I introduced the last podcast too, so I guess I'm getting a double header on. But um, that's fine. We're going to talk about how we price games, what that looks like, modern pricing methods like game passes and subscription services, and, you know, anything in those subjects are fair game, and we'll see where this takes us. How it's crazy that games still only cost 60 bucks. Yeah, how, like, I can remember when I was a kid, games costing, like, 40 bucks, and it being, like, insane when they went up to 60, and that being, like, 20-plus years ago, probably? No, not 20, but 10, like, 10 or 15 years, at yeah, least 15, they've been $60. Maybe 15, yeah. It's crazy. Like, maybe we just start with that. You want to start talking about yeah, yeah. that? I mean, like, just the reality is, like, there's the amount of money spent on developing a game is so much higher now than it was 15 years ago. And yet, the games are still being sold for the same price. And there has to be something going on with that because these companies are still definitely making a crap <laughs> yeah, ton of money. There's got to be a way they're still making money. Right. Yeah, you know, I like to reminisce a little bit like you were just saying i remember i think for the ps1 i want to say games were like somewhere in the 20 to 30 dollar range yeah I totally think. and i remember going to the store with my my parents when you know when that was still a thing and you'd buy your games primarily through retail right like digital wasn't a thing and i remember like you said as the prices went up and like oh my gosh when will it end and i felt like they escalated pretty quick at one point and then they hit that 60 um but then at the same time, HD came out. I don't know. Kind of felt justified. But on to start there, um, there is a little section in the Art of Game Design, a book of lenses. Man, do we shout that book out a lot. It's because it's good and you should read it. Yes. Uh, from Mr. Jesse Shell, uh, where he's talking about the business model around games. Okay. And he actually has this small section where he breaks down. So if the game sells, in his, in his example, it's for 50 Okay. Um, where that money goes. So give it right? to us. So... He says, consumer buys the game for $50, right? So mm-hmm. the retailer keeps 16 of that because they buy... With, so $37 of that $50 goes to the retailer buying the game from the publisher. Kay. The publisher pays back to the retailer $3 in markdown reserve. Sure. Six of those dollars of the 50 go to the advertising agencies. Yep. $7 goes to the platform holder. So Kay. like Xbox yes. or PlayStation get their cut. Uh, $3 goes to the media manufacturer, like the people who make the CDs in yep. the box. And then the f- eight bucks goes to the developer. Right. Right. So of the $50 that's sold in retail, $8, $8 goes to the developer. So you can also, it, uh, from that perspective makes a lot of sense why the price is escalated. Right. I mean, well, it makes a lot of sense why the price originally escalated. Originally escalated. But it doesn't Correct. make sense why it has not has continued to escalate. So my theory, because then he could, so that's the retail model, yes. right? So in the direct download model, the the a consumer buys a game, in, let's say for $10. Yep. The online distributor keeps their 30% chunk, but the developer gets the other 70 Sure. So the developer is making like 30 bucks or whatever out of 50 rather than, or even more. More yeah. than uh, than eight bucks out of fifty. So even though the game is being sold for the same price, yes. the revenue going into the developer is significantly that's, higher. And that's assuming a self-published developer, right? right. If you're in publishing, of course, the percentage is a little bit. But, but it's probably never going to go down to that eight dollar range. That yeah, not right, right. So what? Yeah. Um, so that's my theory. Yeah. I, that the way it, it's a 
twofold. My theory is twofold on how we've maintained that $60 price. The rise in digital purchasing of games, right? I mean, I buy my games now all exclusively digital minus Halo Collector's Editions. Yeah, I mean, Collector's Editions are a thing that are sold for lots of games and... They include a bunch of extra shit that yep. I'm sure does not cost as much as those collector's editions cost to manufacture. Yeah. Um, but yes, I agree. I buy almost all my games digitally too. Pretty much everything except for maybe some Switch games I've bought hard copies of. But other than that, like all my PC games I buy digitally. If you're buying a game non-digitally now, at least if I am, it's for novelty. And that's it. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, so that's one part. The fact that digital has arisen and sort of related to that, um, microtransactions. Yeah, right. that's true. Developers able to, I mean, and that's a big thing, right? That's that's probably why the DLC wave hit, because these companies were not making the money they needed to make on these games. So why not just release a little bit of extra content that they can sell for like fifteen bucks, like one quarter of the price of the game, and get back the like and. Spend way less money making that content and still make a lot of money I on it. I mean, because it. keeping $60 is crazy, but even crazier is that AAA games are free-to-play. Sure, right. right? Even like, that is like... Well, it, I don't know from, if that's from, even crazier. From, really? Well, why? No, just go I for just it. think it's crazy that the $60 hasn't increased. Like, Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I understand the free-to-play model, and like mobile games proved that it's possible to be have that be very successful and i mean obviously fortnite has proven that in a non-mobile space it's possible for that to be very successful and that's crazy in a way but it also like taps directly into people's like desires for gambling and for all of these like human psychological like needs um almost to the point where it like makes sense that those kinds of models work so well yeah um, and maybe that's the reality, right? That these people did research and studies and realized that like raising games beyond sixty dollars was only going to give them diminishing returns. And so at some point they were just like, "All right, what are our other options? Yep. DLC, microtransactions, whatever." Um, yeah, crazy f- relative to if you the re- reality we had before this kind of like digital revolution, yeah. right? Like if you would have been if you would have told somebody before. Down digital downloads was a thing, right? Even like in maybe mid Xbox 360, that like these big prominent AAA things would just all be free to play, and that somehow that would be recuperated another way. From that perspective, it's crazy. But I agree with you that uh, it's kind of fundamentally not crazy in how that works. And yeah, and I mean honestly, still the reality is that the majority of AAA titles are still yes. priced right. They're not free, and why not? Right, like if unfortunately you see a lot of AAA stu- uh, titles doing both yeah or $60 and microtransactions. $60 microtransactions and DLC like right 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 yeah that's yeah. true DLC was is a is a model right now i feel like it's a bit on the decline that like but you know it's on the decline because Nintendo is doing it like hardcore and that means that <laughs> that it's the old it's, what it's yeah. the last thing that was popular um <laughs> Well, and all related to this is now the rise of subscription. Yes, yeah, so let's talk about that. Like, I mean, so subscription services, in my perspective, like became really popular with like Netflix and like movie subscriptions, right? And that was where they started. And I mean, those worked insanely well. Like Blockbuster basically went out of business because these services started existing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in the past, I don't know if you remember like GameFly. Yeah. And services like that where you could like read, get games and they would literally mail you the disc. Yeah. Um, and I think, I guess that's probably what the beginning of game subscriptions looked like. But I don't know if that was like that lucrative. That probably did not make the developers almost any addition, like money. 
That's probably just Gamefly buying their games normally and then shipping them with some weird... I don't know if they had license I, agreements. I, yeah, I would have had to think they had some agreement. Some agreement that up. they were making some money, but then, now we have these services where you're not, like, renting the game anymore. It's not like you're getting the disc and sending it back, right? Like, right. you are... With, like, Xbox Game Pass, you, like, essentially own yeah, those you, games, yeah, right? Yeah, you download them. You, you download them, you have them. If you stop the Game Pass... You can't play them anymore. You can't still, play them. They don't get, like, uninstalled off your machine, but, you but like, them. yeah, it won't, it won't. Okay, so, yeah, so let's talk about this. Like, how... I know you have some information, right, to yeah, share. Yeah, yeah, I, I do have some information because I think there's a few angles to this. From the consumer standpoint, I mean, this just seems like a total win. Like, from if I'm thinking purely consumer the game pass is great value for me. Like I have played way more variety of games. Like I, I know we, we just recently did the, the games of the decade and we all found out about how little game I play, but like I just downloaded doom. I play, I tried like uh, ab, abju. Is that how you abju? say it? Oh, abju. that game's amazing. Uh, Wow, that's like on the list of games I was going to try and play with you. So there, you're there was, touching there was, that. There was a few games that I would have never even remotely considered actually purchasing full price that I played because of Game Pass. Yeah. I think there's two perspectives on this, though, which is interesting, right? Like, you're coming out from the perspective of, like, you have a like very focused set of games, so this is, like, really expanding your boundaries. But right. for me, those services feel like they're limiting me a lot. Like, I, like... There are a lot of games that I really love playing that are not in these services and probably will never be just because of the nature of like how indie they are or how they're developed or whatever. Yeah. And so like Game Pass is basically like Microsoft telling you what games to play. Um so, or like yeah. giving you options for what games to play rather than you getting to like explore and discover for yourself. Yeah, let me ask you about that because I from my perspective it's not really limiting, it's just like it gives you the games that are on Game Pass, plus you can like keep playing your other ones. But are you saying it's, like I'm legitimately asking, it's limiting because you're concerned maybe that things that don't make it into these services are going to start dying off right. or something? Yes, 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 yeah. exactly. Like if they take over or like that's the prominent way that indie games are now being shipped on Xbox, for example. Right. Like that means indie developers who don't, who, I mean, and maybe the program will be good enough that it'll be great for the indie developers and it right. doesn't matter, but like, I don't know. There are people who probably don't want to be part of a subscription service. Maybe it just doesn't fit the model of their game for some reason, or like the concept of their game. Like, yep. you know, I, do you really want to sell like a non-multiplayer, like two hours, like Abzu? I don't, I think it's probably by the nature of how old it is that it's on Game Pass. Like, I don't know if Abzu was just released, it would just come out on Game Pass. So I, this is maybe a good place to interject this insight yeah, from, share it. Uh, it's from uh, somebody I, I really admire in the publishing indies publishing space mike rose uh from no more robots really liked the work and the talks he's done on gdc um and he's also been kind enough to share a little bit of information on how one of the no more one of the titles that no more robots published descenders which is like a bmx dirt biking yeah i think it's procedurally generally levels of generated levels if, if i remember correctly I so it's correct. cool check it out it's on game pass uh-huh. uh and he had a little bit of insight on how it performed on oh, okay. getting on to Gay Pass because um, he, in an article he he responded to you know Phil Spencer once said that for their for the Microsoft first party games they have observed that it, they are selling more copies in Game Pass like the actual full copy of the game than they estimate they would have if they would not have been in Game Pass uh, which is kind of weird like yeah. counterintuitive. Um, and I'll also, oh, before saying the next part, when you, from what I understand, not from what I understand, for sure on the first party games, and I think for a sizable amount of 
the indie games, if not all of them, it's just like an Xbox Game Pass thing. When you when a title is on Game Pass and you have and you subscribe to Game Pass, it's offered at a discount full price for you to buy. Right. So and like a you're 60- still encouraged in some way to buy it. It's not like they're saying you have Game Pass now. Never worry about buying. Yeah, these like games. when you when you install it, right underneath it, it's like buy to own, and it's got the slashed like sale price. Interesting. If you will. Okay. Uh, so like a sixty dollar game, I think is like forty eight bucks, like yeah. for perspective. Sick. So anyway. Mike Rose, so Phil Spencer said that about the first party, and Mike Rose responds, this is, I'm quoting him, said, sounds like bullshit, right? <laughs> he says grinning for the article. Weirdly, it's true, and it surprised me, Rose says. He adds, being on Game Pass means that you basically have constant featuring on Xbox. Your game is on the dashboard all the time, people are seeing our game every day, and because of that, during launch month, month our Xbox sales, um, without doing any discounts or anything, quadrupled and have now settled to about three times as much before being on game pass so he says essentially it's an advertisement a straight up that huge that statement is very very big deal like visibility in the modern game space is a huge deal that's like one of the biggest reasons like games on steam don't do so well because like so i can't even remember the stat but it's like a hundred games are released every day on steam or more than that and so like how do you get them seen and like being in Game Pass, even if that's not your main source of revenue, is essentially free advertising, right? Like he's saying. Yeah. And that's a big deal. That's an interesting perspective for how that could help developers. And we'll say, like, one of the most perplexing things I've ever read was when, I can't remember who it was, talked about how they put their game on the Pirate Bay torrent site and, like, let people, like, literally, they were the ones who hosted it on the Pirate Bay and it their sales, like, doubled or tripled <laughs> of their game. Like, and that's, like... Yeah. So much more like rogue marketing than this. And so if that is effective, then of course this is going to be effective in that same way. Yeah, and maybe, that's really cool. Yeah. Maybe one day we'll have enough like psychological insight to see like why something like that could happen. Right? Like, I mean, maybe it's it, like humans are inherently good in some degree. So they torrent this yeah, game and they're like, yeah. this game's actually pretty good. Maybe I should actually purchase I it. I think there's probably like some of that. And there's, pro- I think, at least for me. It gets the word out. Gets the word out. Uh, that's true. Like word of mouth is so powerful. Like if just the people who've played it free, like just spread it out to people, and those people bought it, right? Yeah. Um, but I, uh, I'm trying to think of the last game that this happened. I cannot remember. I'm so sad. But a game I bought a Game Pass game, uh-huh. and it was after playing it because I don't. know, There's something about like I own this experience. Like I, I don't like renting movies. Right. Like I, it, unless I really know I'm never going to watch it again because. I don't know. I like, I, I, I feel good about making the investment and kind of say like securing that. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, so maybe there's some like psychological. I guess for me, there, like, this Game sure. Pass question comes into like Abzu, for example. I think this is a great example. Like, why would you ever purchase Abzu? It's like a two, three hour game. You play through it once. I mean, it's beautiful and potentially you would want to replay it, but yeah. not to the degree that you want to spend buy it. I well, don't think I'm, off of Game Pass. At least, like it doesn't seem that way, right? Right, it like, doesn't. It doesn't seem that way. That's true. Maybe that the the numbers show otherwise, but that's like the Senders is replayable. Replayable game. Yeah, yeah. I would totally understand someone purchasing, potentially because they're like, oh, maybe I won't always have Game Pass, or they're just trying to like, or they just want like what you said, the yeah. psychological ownership. But with a game that's just like a short, contained, single use experience, yeah, no, it's I, hard for me to think why someone would buy it. I understand that perspective for sure. I. I'll say, like, even, like, just thinking about Abzu, Brittany, my wife, right, she she didn't get anywhere close to beating Abzu uh-huh. and played it, I would say, at least two or three hours just because it's beautiful and just, like, it wanted is. to enjoy the experience. So maybe, 
you know, just the diversity in game styles is enough that, you know, there is a sizable amount of people who are just like, well, after two to three hours, did not beat the game. In fact, nowhere near close. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, so, um, anyway, it, it, it's definitely interesting. Like, yeah. I would not have expected that result. No, me neither. And it's cool that that, I mean, it's great that that's the result. Yeah. Because like, like you said, in many ways, it's like great for consumers, the Game Pass. Especially for people who don't like, already play a wide set of games. Yeah, um, no, I agree. And, like, economically, it's definitely, I mean, I, it's hard to say if it ends up being cheaper, but I imagine it does end up being cheaper for most people. Game um, Pass? Yeah. Well, yeah, I remember that when Game Pass was launched, they were saying that statistically, the average console gamer buys only two games the entire generation. Wow. Is that crazy? Well, then it's definitely not cheaper. Okay, I, I want to say two games the entire generation. Maybe it was... A year. Two games Shoot. a year. I'll find it. Even but, two games a year, though, like that's $120, right? If Game Pass which, is $15 a month. Uh, it's 10 if it's just console, 15 okay. for both. So it's 10, 10 a month. So that's $120 a month. So it's basically the same as. So yeah. I guess that's the justification, right? That you would it, pay yeah. the same as what you would do on average, and yet you get way more games. Granted, that's all until. The game you really want comes out. It's like, not on I Game Pass, right? I swear it's on Generation. One day we'll we'll have that stat for everybody. But yeah, but uh, I, mean, I agree from that logic, yeah. right? Like that's great until the game comes out that you want. And it's not on Game Pass, uh, yes. and then that then the value just like plummets, right? Yeah, that's and even for the AAA space, that's an interesting thing, right? Like Doom was the example I just gave. Like Doom 2016 is now on Game Pass. It's really cool. That one is like to kind of the logic you were pointing out before. Did not launch on Game Pass. Right. Um, like, and, let's see Halo Infinite launch on Game Pass, and then you can tell me that this is like a legit no, no, because it does, it will. You like, think so? No, <laughs> yeah, they already said that all first party Microsoft titles will launch on Game Pass day and date. Like, really? Yes. So, wow. So that now tying it back to our previous um, conversation about like free to play and all that stuff. Yeah. So if you're Halo Infinite, yes. right? Something that's got to easily be spending north of like 200 million right. development and marketing Huge combined, amount of money. right? Amount of money, yes. Um, and you know this Game Pass is a reality. Lots of people, especially because it's a you know Xbox title, right. are going to be adopting it this way, playing it this way. Um, you know this is going to have some sort of extra monetization inside of it, right? Yes. Um, and so it's. From my perspective, from the Microsoft publishing perspective, this is like best of both worlds. People who want to buy the thing full price can. People who want to have like a lower cost entry point can with Game Pass. Yeah. And then there's ways to recoup it inside. And maybe, yeah, they either incentivize people to buy more money or buy the full game in some way. I don't know what that would look like. It'll be interesting to see because that is like... Or like expansions? they They should... Well... I don't know. I was going to say that's a game they need to make their money on, but I mean, they make a lot of money, so maybe it's not as <laughs> yeah. risky as like it would seem from sure. an outside perspective. Right. Maybe they don't really need to make all that money back, even though they probably will. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and maybe they're just not worried. It's really. Yeah. Ridiculous. And I mean, on that note, in regards to will they make their money back and everything like that, uh, on, on a Witcher 3, yes. CD Projekt Red published. Uh, I came out and gave some information on what they spent in development, like straight up. Cool. They said they spent eighty-one million dollars to develop and market Witcher Three. Oh my, that's just like blows. However, mind. first week of sales, they netted a net profit of sixty-three million. So, first week of sales of Witcher Three, which yes. we then went on to which know, has consistently been selling forever. Yes. it's like one of the highest selling games of all time, right? Or I'm not sure where I don't it know. stands there, but, but regardless. A lot of people regard it as one of the best games ever made. Right. So, 
like these games make so much money. It's these triple A games. Yeah. I I just because I'm in Halo Land, I know that Halo Five made four hundred million in the first week of sales. Yeah. Well, and first, they milked whatever. them well too. Like Witcher Three has been. They've released tons of DLC. Yep. It goes on sales. It goes on to new platforms. Like, yep, that game has. It's so old now, and yet it's like still alive. So let's say Cyberpunk gets twenty percent more marketing budget, right. right? So let's say it's like roughly a hundred million yeah, to yeah. make. They like covered it probably in the first month of Witcher Three sales. Oh yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, like, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. And yeah. yeah, they had some metrics. I want to say it was like fifteen hundred people in total helping ship that game across internationally, which uh-huh. is not that much. No, fifteen hundred. Right. I think it was like only 240 development size, yeah. development team size. I mean, 1,500 is a lot, though, to be working on lot. one thing. Like, it's hard well, to imagine. Well, and internationally. When we're, we're working on a game with, like, three people, it's, like, <laughs> hard to imagine what to fi- how you could find something for all 1,500 people to do. No, I, I, I know. <laughs> uh, I hear you. I think the other angle at this subscription thing that I think would be cool to touch on is the reality that you alluded to for the indie studios, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I think so. I'm I am historically have been primarily a console player. Yeah. I buy things through that uh, you know marketplace, if yeah. you will, and yes. I'm used to that ecosystem. Uh, so I, in, in making our game, I have been really surprised that there are so many people who are totally okay paying like forty dollars for an indie game. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, yes. The like, Witness, yes, is a great example. That game shipped at 40. Yeah. Um, granted, that game had a lot of hype and had a big name behind it with a successful game. Well, I think it landed on a lot of that hype, right? Like, yes. it was great. Oh, it did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. But, like, it had more than that. Like, yeah. I understand. Yeah. yeah. It was well-earned 40. Right. right. But, yeah, people are willing to pay. I mean, and maybe that's because AAA games cost 60, so people are willing to pay for a good experience, like, just psychologically biased towards yeah. the 60. Do you think that will go away, I guess, is where that question is. Do you think uh, that... That markets because I guess what I'm like touching on is that I feel like those markets, those demographics, are yes. really looking for different kinds of experiences, yes. looking for uh, are, are okay investing different. I mean, think about it. PC players invest way more into their setups, into yep. their ecosystem, to their environment than a console player yep. does, right? Uh, so maybe it's just something about that's a more dedicated market, right? Yeah. And well, and I would say, like, here's my answer. What The first thing that comes to my mind is to say, did indie games selling for 10 to $20 a piece, 5 to $20 a piece, make AAA games or other games reduce their prices? Like, no. no, no. Right? That changed nothing. Yeah. Um, which is honestly a little crazy to me, right? Because, like, there are a lot of indie experiences that I think a lot of people would put at the same level as AAA experiences in, as far as quality of experience well, and I mean, everything. Geez, now, even now with the technolo- technological advancements and stuff. Yeah, like Ori. Yeah, right. Ori is great yeah. example. Like, and that game shipped at thirty, I think it was. Yeah, thirty. It was twenty somewhere twenty thirty. Yeah, I've been thirty. Right, but like, shit, you, I would have paid a hundred for that. Uh, game. Yeah, you could get Ori for thirty bucks, and I'm getting like freaking. I don't know. Put insert shitty AAA game here for sixty bucks. Yeah, yeah. And that hasn't changed any of this pricing. Granted, it like some AAA games have reduced their prices slightly, but then smacked on the DLC and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. They feel like sort of separate worlds, and maybe that's the reality that this like subscription thing, at least for now, is still sort of a separate world from this like PC indie world, at least like yeah. where I've gone to literally developers' websites and purchased their games directly through their website and downloaded like a yeah. freaking EXE file. 
it's rather, just even though different... the game's on Steam, yeah. just because the developer's like, hey, if you buy it from my website, I'm going to make like way more money on this, and I'm just like, cool. Yeah, it's a it's a different community in li- like the community vibes, at least in my my impression, are very different yeah. there. Um, uh, like I I don't think the person who's going to play Pony Island and the person who's like super psyched about Pony Island and purchasing that. Uh, has really the same kind of perspective on games and their what they're looking their investment in games and experiences in games as like the Call of Duty guy. Right? Absolutely true. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and Game Pass right now is for the Call of Duty guy. It's yeah, not for right, that guy. exactly. Um, and granted, like this is actually we we should like wrap this up. But Humble Bundle is a great example, I think, of something that is sort of a subscription service, but is catered much more towards the indie person. And that has been hugely successful. I don't know how familiar yeah. you are with Humble Bundle, but... I think I bought one. Right yeah, I think, you, I think I remember you telling me about it. But yeah, it's like, you can choose your own price. If you pay over specific amounts, you get more games, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And that's been insanely successful for yeah. a really long time. So I think it's possible to make these kinds of services for those kinds of games too. But it's just, I think indie people are pickier about like what's being catered to them. I think I, I'll, I, I'll wrap up my side of this with think, with the thought that... Now in this like new age also of with social media and just the communication mechanisms we have that shorten the distance between us and developers, yeah. especially indie developers totally. who have that different level of interaction with the community than just like a big AAA corporation kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I think there's a lot of people who care, who are more aware and care about the thing you mentioned earlier, like, I'm supporting this developer, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm support I'm supporting these people who I really like or appreciate, and th- I like that there's mechanisms enabling that too now, um, which is maybe another reason to believe that this kind of thing will continue. Maybe will it like somehow affect things so that yeah, you know, if the witness came out today, when it had been forty, it had been thirty. I don't know, right? Maybe like there'll be some effect, but um, maybe not. Maybe not, and uh, and maybe this also just means the indie studios maybe need to create, get a little more creative about how they communicate value, you know, to yeah. the players, right? Like whatever that is. Uh, totally. So anyway, yeah. cool. Well, that's a crazy, interesting things. So. Yeah, I would love to hear what anyone else thinks about this stuff. Game yep. prices, game pass. Tell us about your experiences with it, or what, whether you like it, don't like it, whatever. Yep. Uh, where can they? How can they reach out to us? Uh, you can reach us at Ko Koala. All one word, underscore ENT on Twitter, Instagram. We uh, give away a bunch of stuff on Instagram. Come follow us. Anthony uh, goes ham. They're yeah. good giveaways. <laughs> it is the epicenter right now of our social media presence, but don't worry. We are uh, we are spreading. <laughs> Things are in the, in the pipeline. So uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok has that same handle. Byte yep. has the same, KO Koala underscore ENT. You can find us at Facebook at KO Koala Entertainment. Yep. And uh, check out our Discord. You can get there from our website, KOKoalaEntertainment.com. Yep. And you can get to all of these links from our website. Check out other episodes of the podcast. It's on all the normal Let things. us know what you think. Yeah, reach out to us. Talk to shoot, us. Shoot us something on Twitter or something. For sure. All right. Well, until next week, uh, see you later. Hasta luego. Bye.